With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtless. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday night at... 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, and this show is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. Uh, the camp is coming right up this year's family camp, uh, July 10th to the 17th, at the beautiful Toa Christian Retreat Center, and uh, incidentally, the show was broadcast on WBCQ The Planet, and it, uh, out of Monticello, Maine. And we're very pleased to be been a, on this on the air for about a year and a half, and we hope to have a long time uh, relationship with this uh, great station. Anyway, uh, a little bit more about the camp. It's coming right up just in a few weeks. It's a week long and week and a day long family camp, and we've got some great instructors. It's a camp for all ages. Our core program probably is at the teenage high school maybe uh, high school level, but we have programs for young people from 5 to 10, 5 to 11, called Patriot Camp. We've got a field trips to Concord, Concord uh, in Lexington, Massachusetts, the site of the great battles, and um, we have a lot of other great programs and uh, f- fun things to do, so please look into it. Go to our website, campconstitution.net, and you can learn all about the camp. Um, we do have tuition money available, although it being an all-volunteer organization, the rates are pretty low, as they are. And and we also tell people that depending on where you are in the United States, or if you're coming in from another part of the world, we could pick you up at airports, train stations, bus stations, and bring you back. Uh, we even have some opportunities of carpooling if you're coming from the Midwest or some parts of the South. So just um, keep that in mind. Anyway, um, lots of things have happened since I last appeared in um, the Orlando shootings uh, in um, Orlando, Florida. And there's a lot of things that are still being developed about this. Of course, the left, anytime there's a shooting, they want to blame the weapon, uh, the gun, not the individual. And what's quite interesting is that uh, the far left, and that would include most of the people that uh, live a homosexual lifestyle support the Muslims and they support gun control. Uh, I think the reason why they support the Muslims so much is because they have a common enemy and that would be a traditional Christianity. Uh, The Muslims, when it comes to homosexuality, are not nearly as tolerant as uh, conservative Christians. In Muslim countries, most Muslim countries, the penalty is death for homosexual behavior, homosexual activities. But for some reason, they just adore the Muslims. They're always promoting them. There's a Unitarian church in Weymouth, just south of Boston. They've got a big old sign, we love our support our Muslims. Well, 
and there are a lot of Christians that really don't understand the theology. Now, the United States has had a very generous immigration policy over the years. It's one of the, uh, from what I understand, is that we allow more people here legally than all of the rest of the world combined. Okay? But the policy, or immigration policies should be based on what's best for the American people, for the people of the United States. And there are certain worldviews that are inca- not compatible, incompatible with what our country is supposed to be about. That's why historically we've never allowed com- people of the Communist Party, people of militant organizations. And you have to say if you have a religion that is not compatible with the principles of the Constitution, then perhaps you should not be allowed in here. Now, I understand that the shooter was actually a native, a homegrown Muslim. His father was from Afghanistan. The father probably should never have been allowed here, but he was allowed here. And maybe he, uh, he didn't share these views when he immigrated. And, and it, what's interesting is that here he is, the greatest country in the world, the most affluent country, and you've got these people that would join these militant organizations and commit these terrible crimes. Uh, and also, it's an interesting thing of these uh, homosexuals. Most of these liberal homosexuals are very fast to denounce you. They'll pick at your bakery if you, you don't put a couple of homosexual male, uh, two male figures in tuxedos on the top of a cake. But boy, when it comes to one odd man in a room, you know, a, a club full of several hundred people, not one person had the presence of mind to rush this guy as he was uh, as he was uh, lo- reloading. And when his, when his weapon jammed, they all ran. They should be ashamed of the cowards. There were people leaving others behind. That's the culture we have? That's a disgrace. Anyway, I'm getting get a little tired of it. Anyway, I want to uh, introduce, uh, he's actually more of a co-host than, than, a, than a guest, but is uh, Dan McGonigal. Uh, Dan, how are you? Very good, thank you, Hal. Well, thank you for coming on at such short notice. Uh, I, we, we record the show in advance, and uh, sometimes I'll line up guests a week, two weeks in advance, and sometimes I'm so busy I don't have time to line somebody up, and I go solo, or I get my good friend Dan to come on, or some other person. So thanks for coming on. And uh, just to uh, reintroduce, uh, reintroduce Dan, again, he's been a guest on the show several times in the last few years, maybe four or five times. But Dan is uh, an expert on the constitutional militia aspect of the Constitution, and I would say state constitutions too, especially Maine. And uh, he just uh, gave a speech at a Second Amendment rally that was held in Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts just a few days ago. I was uh, slated to be a speaker there, but I had a, I had a uh, more, uh, I guess I had to take a priority. I had, I had to go to, my wife and I had to go to uh, uh, a meeting where we get funding for the Camp Constitution. So you couldn't miss that. But then, uh, thanks for coming back, uh, coming on, and uh, just give us a little wrap up of the rally and your, your, your the comments you made and how you were received. Uh, um, there were quite a few speakers. It was a nice, uh, nice piece of property where they have this uh, sportsman's club. Right, that's in the and, town uh, of what? What town was it in? It was uh, not where uh, Belchertown. That's right, Belchertown. Which is uh, just a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit east of Springfield, Massachusetts, and a 
beautiful setting. I was there a few years ago where I interviewed Larry Pratt, who was also a guest there. That was uh, <clears throat> all throughout the day. We were there from 11 to 5. All throughout the day, we could hear gun, gunshots in the background because they were they was an instructor teaching uh, shooting. Uh, and we could hear uh, .223 rifles. We could hear three oh six shots. That was Richard. Richard Saran identified the, from the sound. He was able to identify it. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> big, big piece of property, nice piece of property. There's a huge tent for people to be under where the podium was. And uh, on the outside, uh, under an awning attached to a building, we had information tables all set up, different various people and groups, and um, quite a few speakers. Dave Kopax was the organizer, and... Uh, uh, Larry Pratt spoke from Gun Owners of America, and Jan uh, Morgan spoke. And, now, who's Jan uh, who's Morgan off, offhand? Jan Morgan, she's kind of a celebrity uh, uh, gun rights activist. Uh, she owns a, a, a shooting range. I think she's out of Arkansas. And, oh, okay. Uh, and uh, she's a certified instructor, and uh, she, I think she owns a range where she uh, does not allow Muslims to uh, come in. Well, that's interesting because, uh, you know, before you came on, I was discussing the shooting in Orlando. Now, there's a lot more details that are coming out. That this fellow may have ties to the FBI, but... The bottom line is that he embraced the Muslim faith. And by the way, I'm not suggesting everybody who does that is necessarily a uh, potential killer. If that were the case, you know, there's over a million uh, billion Muslims. We'd, we'd probably all be wiped out by now. But um, I was talking about our immigration policy, and the policy should reflect the best interest of the American people, of these US, citizens of the U.S. So, in other words, if we need... Um, if we need doctors and uh, doctors or certain types of people with skills, I mean, okay, we can let them in. We need people here and there, but we should be sending people into somehow uh, for the benefit of the international community or the UN resettlement program. That's not in the best interest of the American people. Also, historically, certain people were never allowed in. For example, if you were a member of the Communist Party, you were automatically part of a criminal conspiracy and therefore not allowed in. If you were Part, a member of some organized crime. They could prove you were uh, organized crime or if you had a communicable disease or if you belonged to a terrorist organization, et cetera, et cetera. I, have to, I would contend that uh, if you're a strict Muslim, you, the views you share are incompatible to the U.S. Constitution. You cannot take an oath to defend the Constitution, to embrace it, if you're, a, if you're an observant, fundamental-type Muslim. And therefore, these folks should not be allowed in our country, especially be given green cards or offered citizenship. And it's sort of a hard thing to say, but again, the interest of the American people should always come first. And I think the problem is in Western Europe, they have a negative birth rate, they have a socialist system, and in order to keep that system going, they've got to bring in young people, young people that will work, that will pay the taxes, that will pay... The, uh, the benefits for the older people as they die off. Uh, so 
if you have to you have to have put up so this violence and these occasional attacks where they shoot and murder people seems to be at the high cost of the socialist system. And unfortunately, it's sort of coming to this country too. And uh, I mean, you know, like I said, we say the American people should wake up. Uh, if you can't wake up now, I don't know what's going to what it's going to take. Um, and I also point out, pointed out too that these uh, militant homosexuals. Now there are some homosexuals living out there. We don't want to bother you. You don't want to bother us. We live in your neighborhoods. We're your brothers and sisters, and and, and what have you. Uh, and there's a lot of about five percent of the homosexual community, or those who engage in homosexual behavior, have a libertarian worldview. But most of these, a lot of these homosexuals, they get in your face. You know, they they're so quick to get um, to have take legal action against you. They'll rant and rave if you do show up to your rallies and rant and rave and throw condoms at you. But boy, when one guy with a gun, a couple of guns, walks into one of their clubs, they they can't. 300, 400 people in the club. Not one person could rush this guy. You know, that doesn't. That tells me something. It tells me that they're that these people are cowards. They're they're physical cowards. Anyway, I digress, Dan. Um, then I, could you, I, I don't know if you if you want to talk about something. Uh, what you've been your research in the state of Maine. Are you willing to talk about that at this point, or you want to put that on hold until you get more feedback? Uh, no, I could talk about it. It's just, uh, I'm just hesitant to put, put it out in the electronic. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, anyway, I just saw a little back. Dan, oh, yeah, I, I, said, I, oh, talked, yeah. I mentioned it. I mentioned it at the, at my speech yesterday. All right. Well, good. So Dan, uh, Dan is a, uh, as I said earlier, he was, uh, he's sort of a, I would say an expert on the militia aspect. And I've learned a lot of, from Dan and Edwin Vieira. And he's, again, we've, we have both, Edwin has been a guest on the show too. But Dan has been scrutinizing the main law, and he came up with a very interest, some interesting things. So, if you give a little background on that too, Dan, if you could, and uh, what what you you were up in Maine with me actually a couple of weeks ago, and you had a meeting with the uh, one of the governors of LePage's top aides. So, just let me just sort of give you the mic, and you can discuss uh, what happened. Okay, um, I gave a very brief speech yesterday. Uh, about ten minutes. I was supposed to get seven minutes. Ended up being about ten, nine, ten minutes. And um, I was the only of all the speakers. I was the only one that talked about the first clause of the Second Amendment: a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. That's the first half. And Edwin Edwin uh, wrote a book in 2013. 118 pages that will fit in your sport jacket pocket. Uh, the name of the book is 13 Words, and that's the, the number of words in the first clause of the Second Amendment. So I, I briefly mentioned it in my speech yesterday on what uh, uh, the proposal that I uh, wrote up, and then I, I asked for a meeting in the governor's office, and I was able to get a one-on-one meeting in person with the senior advisor to uh, Governor LePage of Maine. And uh, so I met with him in the governor's office uh, there at the state house. And I we met I met for, for about 10, 10 minutes, and I briefed him on the main points in the proposal. And uh, Maine, Maine, law, Maine law is much better than law far as security and emergency management, it's much better in most states. 
And uh, so the proposal, based on the existing state law in Maine, and the proposal uh, was to uh, the governor can enroll or the enrollment of militia, and he can also activate militia. Uh, and when I'm talking, when I say militia, I'm not talking National Guard. I'm talking the people. And what I what I what I mentioned in the proposal was volunteer, qualified volunteers, because if he tried to enroll everybody in the state, it'd be it'd be uh, uh, a um, partial resistance. It'd be from the liberal type crowd yes. in the cities. It's in the in the city city areas in Maine, uh, uh, more on the left side, and they they put up some resistance. So this would be volunteers, and um, <clears throat> and the problem in the, in, the, in the fifty states is uh, since the early twentieth century. The uh, regular military, which would be Clause 12 and Clause 13 of Article 1, Section 8 in the Constitution, the Army and the Navy, um, since the early 20th century, they have taken over. They 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 came they put in the federal statute this organization called the National Guard, and then they federalized it. First, it was state, and then they federalized it, and um, so what happened is, and the way it is, the way it is now, the adjutant generals, which is second to the governors, governor's commander in chief of the state militia, adjutant generals directly under the governor, the full-time officer. And uh, so the adjutants became federalized, and the, the most their, their main duty is with the, with the national guard, um, because the militia was disbanded at the same time that the national guard was created. And meaning, meaning, when I say the militia was disbanded, I mean the body of we the people were disbanded, disorganized, and disempowered from participation in local, county, state militia command structures. People no longer had rank. They no longer mustered. They no longer were called forth in emergencies. So, so. By the way, Dan, I was um, I got a uh, I got the book uh, History of Carver, Massachusetts from up until 1910 from its founding, and it, it had a very interesting uh, how the how the militia was part of the, the culture of a town. They had a North uh, Carver militia, South Carver militia, and they would muster a couple. You know, they described they how, what they would do at these musters and so forth. But gradually, as time went on after the Civil War, these things really kind of weren't that weren't weren't very active and effective, but go ahead. I didn't want to, I didn't want to digress to. I didn't want you to get you on track, but yeah. So um, the proposal it, it was one one or two or three executive orders I recommended, and um, to do a few things. Uh, one was to uh, because because the deputy adjutant general can have can have the same powers. As an adjutant, if the adjutant can't do his job or, or an adjutant office is vacant, I recommend that he appoint a new deputy militia adjutant general who would report directly to him and would not be part of the Federal Department of Defense infrastructure like the National Guard is and like the current 50 adjutants are across the country 
uh, he'd be separate. And because the adjutants, the 50 adjutants have been federalized, they, they, what the statute says, he can't, if he can't do his job, well, they can't do their job as an, a commanding officer of the state militia because they are controlled by the Clause 12 Army. Militia in Article 1, Section 8 is Clause 15 and 16. The Navy is Clause 13. So they're supposed to be totally separate entities. So you can't have you can't have an army an army a federalized army officer giving orders to militia. The only one, the only federal military officer that can give orders to state militia is the president as the commander in chief. That's it. And that says it right in the Constitution. The, the president, he's, 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 he's commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States. He's also commander-in-chief of the militia of the several states. Several mm-hmm. meaning back then, several meant states, thir- yeah. 13 states. All the now, states, yeah. Several means 50 states. So the adjutants, so this adjutant would be doing the job that the, that the 50 adjutants are really supposed to be doing rather than what they're doing now under color of law, they claim to be the organized militia when they... And if you could, really quick, just explain the term color of law for some of the listeners they may not color, understand. Color of law is... Uh, it's a bill that either goes through Congress or it goes through state legislature and it's it's uh, not constitutional, but it gets passed and made into law anyway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that's good. The Federal Reserve Act of 1913 is a prime example where they took away the power of Congress uh, to coin money, and now that paper money in your pocket—it's a Federal Reserve note. Federal Reserve system is a private. That's a private system. It's not. It's not. It's not a United States note. Private money, and the money is supposed to be controlled by Congress. But that's the and it's supposed to just coin money, not make paper paper bills. That's uh, anyway. So no, that's good definition. So under the color of law, uh, back in what 1903, 19, 19, yep. the uh, federal government passed a couple of bills uh, signed into law by the president. Well, both different presidents at the time, and they redefined something, but it was a it was a diametrically opposed to the Constitution. Say again. I said that they passed two two laws were passed uh, by Congress, and the president signed them, and they became the law of the land, even though they were a clear contradiction to the Constitution of the United States. Uh, yeah, that's correct. The uh, yeah. Part of that, part of that 1916 uh, federal statute, which can be found at Title 10, United States Code Section 311, it, 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 it names this entity called the unorganized militia. Well, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 16 of the Constitution says the militia is to be organized. That's right. They came up with a, a statute and made it that it's this unorganized militia, which is. It's nowhere in the Constitution. So that's just one. And really, in that sense, it can't exist 
you can't have something that's uh, the, the the definition of militia precludes uh, uh, disorganization. It has to be organized for it to be a, a, an entity. You know, if I was trying to, if I was def, to define a uh, you know a snowball, I have to say that it's a certain color. It's made of. I can't say that it's made out of wood. You know, right. and, and pass a law and say it's made out of wood. It's ridiculous. And unfortunately, many Americans have bought into this, and they've also bought yeah, into the nobody, idea that it must alive, be. There's nobody alive yeah. prior to 1903 that was born. There was an adult in the movie. That's right. Yeah. You know, so, I was uh, in uh, so, I was in uh, Central New York. Um, what little town I was in? Uh, uh, Hermaker, the named after a, a general who fought in a great battle and died in the battle. General Hermaker, who um, during the Revolutionary War. And, you know, there's a plaque here commemorating, honoring the, the, the militia. And our history is just full of this. And yet, like, oh, we can't say militia. We're not allowed to say that because the liberals and the media will jump on us. It's in the Constitution. It's not only in the U.S. Constitution. How many times, Dan? About seven or eight times? Uh, it's in the U.S. Constitution Bill of Rights six times in five, in, in, uh, five separate clauses. So, uh, and it's mentioned in state constitution, state law. So yeah. it's a very good word, and uh, we shouldn't be afraid to use it because it, and let's just define it. It's not a bunch of uh, fat middle-aged white guys running around with ARs in the woods. That's not the militia. But so I'm sorry, I want to uh, just. Um, no, we only get about. We got five minutes left. So anyway, okay. you were discussing the the main stature and what Governor LePage, what yes, you're please. recommending that he do. A new appoint a new deputy militia adjutant because you're going to require a commanding officer. Then uh, enroll through the town assessors and town clerks in, in existing main law would be that would be people volunteer, qualified volunteers would be enrolled through that uh, at the local level, and then uh, they get. They would have to get a certain amount of training and, and so forth and so on, get organized uh, through, through uh, the, the state. And um, then the governor, when they're ready, he'd be able to activate the, uh, a number of one, two, three, or four companies or a regiment. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I, I, had, I also included uh, a specific purpose a very specific purpose to do all this, and then there could be other things that he could follow up at, at a later time to for anything, economic security, uh, voting, uh, the ballots, the voting machines, security at polling places. There's a slew of state security. What about the main border for drug interdiction or just... A, uh, the huge coastal border, and you've yeah. got a huge, huge long border with Canada. And uh, so these... The, the, Specific security that I recommended, being that the governor uh, is a uh, <clears throat> big supporter of the, of, the, of the Republican candidate for president, um, I recommended that he could deploy, activate and deploy the, the main state militia to, for, for additional security for the Republican candidate outside the outside the security circle of the Secret Service. Who are government employees already doing that? And um, uh, the, the, gov the, the governor would need, it would need to get permission from the state wherever 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 it would be, and or 
the uh, they could be uh, brought on like the Secret Service right into the you know with the campaign and follow him around that way as part of the campaign. Which that would be a very interesting to see something like that if it ever came about. I could imagine uh, you'd have to have a sympathetic governor to, uh, and I know that yeah. the pages. Uh, but we're not endorsing Trump or one way or the other on Camp Constitution Radio, but. Uh, it's just sort of a very interesting thing. If that, if we ever ever took you up on that offer, I think it would yeah. be, I would say, earth shattering, because uh, it would be a wonderful educational thing and say, gee, you know, this, this could happen. This is something that is, is a viable thing, and uh, don't tell. There's, there's need. I mean, the Secret Service has their duties among, you know, sort of within a certain circle of the uh, of people like Trump. Once they get the nominee, I think he, I think he's already getting Secret Service, uh, isn't he? At this point, oh, protection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he, I think once they uh, during a campaign, once a certain they capture so many states, and it looks like uh, it's sort of a shoe in, then they get Secret Service protection. But Even we're looking at get Secret Service. Yeah. So, uh, okay. well, we got one minute left, in. so hey, let's wrap it up. Talk about your book and how people can get a copy of it. And Dan also will be giving, he's the instructor this year at camp. He'll be talking about, he'll be contrasting um, the the uh, the law to the uh, Communist Manifesto. So uh, go ahead, Dan. Right. Where, where you'll find your book. Yes, book for law versus Marx's book, the Communist Manifesto. Right. So that's it. So um, my book, uh, back in three years ago, I published... Uh, um, title is published by Camp Constitution Press, by the way. Right. right. Execute the laws to restore the republic. And execute the laws is from the, the Empowerment Clause, Militia Empowerment Clause, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. That's part of that clause to uh, execute the laws, meaning enforce the law, enforce the Supreme Law, being the Constitution, etc. That book is available at the campconstitution.net website uh, in the, the bookstore section. It can be ordered through there. Okay. Well, Dan, we'll see you uh, in a few days, I think. And, uh, of course, we'll see you at camp. Thanks for being a guest again. And, folks, you've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio on WBCQ The Planet, which you'll hear every Monday night at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time and on ipmnation.com. Uh, com or dot org every Saturday at 1 a p.m. Eastern Standard Time and of course on YouTube. So thanks for listening and God bless. All right.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.